Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Luke chapter four. Let's begin in, I believe, verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. Watch for that word throughout this text. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now you're watching this on uh, video on Allies Network. You can see I've, I've highlighted verse 34. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power when they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. All right. This was unseen, but demonic possession was not. To see someone speak with authority and power had never been beheld before. But people being overtaken and what they do with their physical bodies, the objects that they lift and drop, the words that they speak, the way that they look, these things had been observed. What they had never seen is someone with the authority and the power to tell evil, get out. Moreover, what's remarked upon in Luke's gospel is that he did so in a way that left the previous inhabit, you know, like the previous vessel rather for the victim unharmed upon the exorcism. Look at the text. So he's in Capernaum, by the way, a town which will uh, later try to push him off a cliff. And uh, this is a bit of a throwaway, but there's something to it. Teaching them on the Sabbath. This will uh, put Jesus in the crosshairs of the, the Sanhedrin later. They're astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. Now, there you go. Like the, it, the ending is given away right there. He has taught with authority. So he has dealt with ideas and concepts, spiritual principles, commands. And he's done so with authority. And then later he uses said authority and it's demonstrated in front of them, but they're shocked. There was a disconnect between one who could speak with authority in the ethereal sense about ideas and concepts that are distant out there, perhaps intangible. And then when someone whose speech, whose physical faculties have been overtaken by a demon comes before them and then Jesus uses the exact same authority to cast that demon out, they're all shocked. They had to cross the bridge between dealing with concepts and ideas to actually observing the difference. Hey man, am I preaching to anyone yet? Because I'm just getting started. This is just, this is just the second verse of the text. Like if you're my, if you're my semi-moralistic friend who is sort of agnostic, and you've looked to Jesus and you've said, like, I like the idea of Jesus as my moral compass, but I don't want to admit to all the quote unquote insanity of him being, you know, God and stuff like he said he is. I'd rather just like shush him. 
<laughs> Jesus. Stop saying things that would embarrass me in front of my friends. I'd rather use Jesus as a moral compass than confess that he's right about himself. If you're my semi-moralistic, skeptical friend, you're going to really struggle with this text because you may see your reflection in the crowd as they observe Jesus speak with authority. That's you. That's you, right? Like he speaks and he does so without citing sources. It's like a research paper with no bibliography. He's the bibliography. Every time we appeal to authority, we admit to, you know, we posit, if you will, like this hierarchy of authorities. But Jesus is at the pinnacle of the authority over all authorities. Dealing with authoritative sources, it gets no higher than this, than he, than him, Jesus. So he speaks with absolute authority in the truest sense of the word, meaning the accurate sense of the word, absolute authority. But when you hear Jesus speak with authority and then you see Jesus do something with that authority, are you prepared to cross the necessary threshold from believing in Jesus merely as a moralistic teacher to believing in Jesus as Lord? Watch the text. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit. Here we go. Here's where your moralistic deism is going to pay the price. This is where you've got to check it. Right here at verse 33. Check your moralistic deism, my skeptical friends, at verse 33 because there it is. All right, now this word demonic obviously in indicates full belief in everything about demons and therefore the devil and evil. But this won't be so hard a bridge for you to cross. Because if you believe in moral good, then you believe in evil because the two are necessarily converses one of the other. So here it is, a demonic spirit. All right, now check your empiricism at this word. Because if your whole worldview has been built upon empiricism, meaning you only believe in what you can observe with your senses, then you won't make it any farther than this word in the third verse of today's devotion. It's a spirit. It simply is. Okay? And this spirit cried out, and it did so with a loud voice. Leave us alone. Okay? And now what does this indicate? These demons don't like Jesus. They don't want Jesus to tell them anything, to do anything to them. They say, leave us alone. What do you have to do with us? All right, now this indicates something profound as well. They know their time is coming. If you want any more information on this, look at JCM's study in the Gospel of Matthew titled Fulfillment. Thank you, Ian Dunaway uh, from Allies Network for helping us write those Bible studies. Jesus has authority over these demons and these demons know it. He has authority over all of time and therefore all of space. Any fans of Christopher Nolan's Interstellar out there? Let me know. I'm a big fan. Anything Christopher Nolan makes, I've got to watch it at least twice. Now, these demons know that if Jesus has authority over them and the space they occupy in the physical realm, as it were, that he also has authority over time because the two are inextricably linked. Google time dilation, if you haven't yet.
what do you have to do with us? Tying this together with what we saw in the Gospel of Matthew, what do you want from us right now? What will you tell us to do? Watch as this text continues. They call him Jesus of Nazareth. An accurate description. One that was used, actually, by the way, to deride Jesus. Uh, the, the question was asked rhetorically, but not without condescension. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The Pharisee asked this because Nazareth was just like just this little podunk town. And no one of note had come from that town. And Jesus came from that town. So they asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So it's possible that these demons are attempting to condescend to Jesus. Have you come to destroy us? Now, this is an, an admission of weakness. And as we coincide the Gospel of Luke with the Gospel of Matthew, we know that uh, these demons are petrified of Jesus. They would rather inhabit a group of pigs and run off a cliff than they would be anywhere near Jesus. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now we're going to look at other cross-references throughout the text. Jesus shuts them up. Be silent and come out of him. That's it. Okay? That's it right there. Look at those words. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven in English. Seven English words. That's all. If you're a fan of horror movies that like to depict demons in any other way, and if you are a fan of horror movies that like to aggrandize some sort of Catholic exorcist, uh, they're all bull excrement. Here's what Jesus did. He spoke seven words, and he spoke with his own authority. And any human who tries to emulate that authority is going to get the pants beaten off of him. See the book of Acts. Look back to the actual word of God and throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. So even though he is thrown down, see this in verse 35, if you're watching this on Allies Network, uh, he's still unharmed. See the final phrase of verse 35. And then everybody's amazed. Now look at these other references to demonic possession. Matthew 8, 16, when evening came, they brought to him many who were demon possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word Boom, there it is. Look at those words right there. And healed all who were sick. All right, in Mark uh, chapter 5, something I referred to earlier, uh, these men, uh, the, uh, this man who was inhabited by a legion of demons. Okay, if you're a hacker <laughs> and you like to refer to yourself as legion, you, could, you better finish reading the text because it doesn't end up well for legion. John 10, the very first book that we studied at the Redemption Church, Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Now, what this indicates is that demons had the ability to control the words that a person said. There had to have been a point at which the capacitor, the dwelling, the host, whatever you will, of the demon acquiesced to the demon's entrance. Now, what that raises questions about uh, as we'll see in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, for more on this, see the JCM YouTube channel uh, series, Who is This Jesus? Uh, there's a little boy 
who's inhabited by a demon, who causes him to froth at the mouth, and the demon causes the boy to leap into fire and things like this. At what point does that happen? Now, we know that according to John 10, verse 20, these demons take over completely. So, however the overthrow happens, what we do know is that once it happens, the one who is inhabited by a demon, who is possessed by a demon, is even incapable of controlling his own speech. So can someone be held responsible for the things that he or she does once possessed by a demon? I think that the answer is sort of no. Uh, are we responsible for what we do to invite or acquiesce to the inhabitation of a demon? I think yes. However, however, I don't believe that a Christian can be possessed by a demon. That being said, I do believe that demons can be uh, oppressive toward Christians. I was a seminary student. I asked Dr. Dennis Brunet, pastor of Midway Baptist Church, about this multiple times. He refused to answer the first three times that I asked. And then uh, finally, at exam time, after we had finished all that, we went to a coffee shop and he finally answered my question about all this. And he said that the reason that I refuse to answer your questions is that those who investigate the demonic become investigated by the demonic. And so I wanted to spare you this. If you look into demons, demons will look into you. So when uh, Jesus exercised authority and cast these demons out, he demonstrated for all the lookers on, a power that had not been seen yet. But what they had seen was someone who was in his right mind and suddenly is no longer in his right mind. Someone who had at some juncture invited or acquiesced to demonic possession, suddenly doing things that were perhaps physically impossible. All right, see again, the book of Acts. All right, uh, we have a, a series on this as well. In all of this, um, these demonic spirits were able to cross the boundary and uh, break the laws that you and I abide by temporally and physically. And uh, that's scary stuff. And so it can cause Christians to see previews for demonic movies that become huge, gigantic hits and ask that question, like, can we fall victim to that? Uh, the answer is no. However, I have seen Christians fall under deep torment by demonic spirits. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 29. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man many times it had seized him. And though he was guarded, bound by chains and shackles, he would snap the restraints and be driven by the demon into deserted places. So we can see the demons breaking the laws of physics here. Mark Chapter 9, someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out, but they couldn't. All right, there's a whole story right here. Uh, we will go back through the Gospel of Mark once again. Uh, but the story ends with Jesus explaining this kind can only come out by prayer. 
When demons encounter Jesus, they're petrified and they ask questions like, have you come to, have you come to pour your wrath out on us, if you will, before the appointed time? And as we saw in, in today's text, they asked this question in the gospel of Luke, uh, have you come to destroy us? Now, what does that question presuppose? It presupposes exactly what was foreshadowed at the beginning of the text and what was confirmed at the end of the text. Jesus has authority. We saw that authority right here at uh, the beginning of the text, verse 32, and then we see it confirmed as everything comes to play throughout the text. And then there it is again, verse 36, authority and power. This is the best news ever. If you're a Christian, you may be demonically oppressed. You may have strongholds of demons that will team up on you. And you may get down in the dumps, stuck into cyclical sin, repeated temptation for a long period of time. But if you are a Christian, you cannot be possessed by a demon. Don't fall for uh, Catholic lore. That's the word of the dude, not the word of the Lord. Don't fall for the Hollywood uh, storyline that elevates some human as though that human has that authority, as, the, as though that a human had that power. None of that's real. In fact, people who presupposed authority and power and name recognition even, uh, literally get their pants kicked off of them in the book of Acts. All that is nonsense. Ask Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver you if you believe that you are demonically oppressed. Don't fall for the nonsense of calling demons out by their names as though they owe you anything. These are spirits who were once angels and then fell. They used to be angels and now they are what they are because they rebelled in the first place. So they are inherently therefore rebellious spirits. Don't listen to folklore. Don't listen to movies. Don't rely upon fiction. Rely upon the word of God. The one who has authority, the one who has power, is Jesus. So if you believe that you have been demonically oppressed, or if you believe, and by the way, I haven't seen this ever anywhere in the United States of America, but if you, you believe you've come upon someone who is demonically possessed, uh, that authority is not going to come from you. That power is not going to come from you. The authority, the power, all of it rests in Jesus. So would you call upon Jesus' name? And would you pray prayers of spiritual warfare over your home, over your family? Would you, in these instances, rare as they are, give all the glory, all the authority, all the power to Jesus? Because it's all His anyway. Watch out for anything that tries to aggrandize man as though man had that authority, as though man had that power. All authority and all power is His. Amen.